We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Roadwire DFS podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Mario Puig. There are six games on the Monday night slate. There are two additional games on a standalone early slate, but we are not going to discuss those on this episode. You can check out the site, roadwire.com slash pod. Get a free 10-day trial if you're not currently a subscriber, and you can run the optimizer and the daily tools to check out the two-game slate in detail that way uh, if you so choose. Only six games, Mario, but actually pretty good pitching for the most part for a smaller slate tonight. So that leaves you with some interesting decisions to make at the very top of the board. Chris Sale leads the way, as he often does when he pitches. He's 11,700 with a home matchup against the Twins. The alternatives near the top, Carlos Carrasco home against the Rangers for 9,900. Jose Barrios going up against Sale in Boston for 9,600. Cole Hamels in his first start back from an oblique injury at 9,400. Uh, Gio and the Nats are hosting the Cubs. He's 8,800. Kind of an interesting matchup going down in San Francisco where Jeff Samarja is 8,300. And Herman Marquez, uh, rookie for the Rockies, is a flat 7,000. And I think after talking about this on the XM show with you this morning, it makes more sense to probably focus on Samarja or Marquez in tournaments unless you're committed to building around sale at all costs. Well, I think sale is good enough to, you know, be in his own category entirely. So he's, he's definitely worth paying up for. Um, he's been a beast, uh, this year and he's always been, even compared to his past play, he's been just like remarkably good and he's always been remarkably good. But, uh, Samarja, he's at home where 
his homer and, and walk issues this year shouldn't be as much of a as much of a risk and his strikeouts are way up uh rockies obviously aren't as frightening when they're on the road uh but yeah marquez at seven thousand. for me cash game consideration at pitchers between sale and marquez and not because i think marquez has anything similar in terms of upside or even floor but it's seven thousand. it's like you can that, that buys you so much space and he's going against such a bad team and he himself is a, is a pretty toolsy player i think like his his velocity has actually been inching up over the over the co- course of the year uh, he's like at 95 and a half fastball, I think now. So he's, he's going against the worst, uh, the worst team that hitting against righties in, in a pitcher park. So I think there's at least floor with him. Yeah. The Giants have been just woeful offensively and that's been a trend all season long. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, who ordinarily would be a GPP consideration, draws the league's best offense against lefties, the White Sox, and he gets them on the road. In a situation in Chicago where winds are forecasted to be blowing out around 15 miles per hour, so it's already a difficult place to pitch. You get the wind blowing out, makes it even worse. Uh, so for 8,000, no interest at all in Montgomery. In fact, I'll probably have a few White Sox bats going up against him. Uh, Rich Hill is 7,800 going up against the Angels. Ricky Nolasco going for the Halos tonight. So the pitching matchup is is favorable. The win probability seems fairly high. For Rich Hill, the only issue is can he get deep enough into the game right. to at least be eligible to get the win? I mean, the probability he's falling short, right? Yeah, the, the probability probability of the Dodgers winning is extremely high. The probability of Rich Hill p- pitching enough innings to get the the credit for it is different matter. He's he's going to have the strikeouts on a per inning basis, but he just he seems capable of just walking his way out of a game. Uh, this year anyway like his walk rate is way up so even even against a tame opponent like that it's it's gpp only and and uh i think i'd still rather test my luck with yeah like the the san francisco guys if i'm going a gpp route uh that is not chris sale and that is not uh you know barrios or something like that uh but yeah that's uh that's it's a pretty limited uh pitcher consideration for me today like carrasco is obviously a great player but I have enough fear of the Texas uh, bats against a righty, and Carrasco does give up homers occasionally at home. So uh, it's just a little bit too uh, thin of a wire that he's walking on there for me to go after him. But obviously, a great player is a player as great as him is worth considering. Generally, I'm always a little bit hesitant to pick on the Rangers because of the damage they've done in the past. This year has been different. They've, they've been slumping. Yeah. Haven't done as much uh, as we'd expect. Against and lefties, they can't hit at all, but I think for righties, like even though they've had a down year as a group, against righties, they're kind of middle of the pack. It's just that I expect them by the end of the year to inch up a bit. Yeah, and they're kind of like around league average right now against righties for yeah. the last 30 days. Now they're getting, they've been healthier. Adrian Beltre is back. Carlos Gomez is Gomez. back and playing well. So they're kind of trending in that direction already. I, I see the case for Carrasco as a sale pivot. I'm not doing it myself. I'm not. Uh, because I just don't think it's it's a great spot for him, given the Rangers' ability to do damage with the long ball and the way that the ballpark in Cleveland plays. Uh, as far as the pitchers to pick on, David Holmberg going for the White Sox, Ricky Nolasco, who I mentioned before. Eddie Butler has the ball for the Cubs going into D.C. against the Nats. Those are probably your three uh, most uh, meaty turkeys on the slate today. Yeah, and Montgomery, not specifically like a big old turkey. It's just that he's kind of walking into a setting that is not good for him. So I like the White Sox chances of putting up runs. And I know I know Gio Gonzalez has been very good this year, and he strikes out, even on his bad days, he strikes out a lot of players. But 
Um, going against the Cubs, who even in their slump hitting season, they've still crushed lefties. Uh, and Gio's gotten a pretty low uh, ERA to this point in the year relative to his FIP because his four seam and sinker have given up a very low BABIP so far. And I don't really want to test that, uh, test the sustainability of that. Uh, against the Cubs of all people of all teams, so I, I like the Cubs stack as a, as a t- as a team that could put up big run count that probably doesn't get as much ownership as uh, you know certainly the Yankees and maybe White Sox, maybe Nationals. Um, but yeah, there's there's quite a few ways that the bats could go today. I think there's going to be a decent number of runs scored for this slate. Yeah, I, I like the way the slate comes together for a six gamer. Uh, let's start behind the plate as we look position by position, trying to find some uh, sources of value. Today makes a lot of sense as a Gary Sanchez kind of day. Most days are like that. Uh, but if you want to save money at catcher, Matt Wieters at 2400 is one of the names that popped up for me. Uh, I know the, the production hasn't been great this year, but it comes down to what you expect the Nats to do today uh, against Eddie Butler. Uh, Wieters coming off of what should be a routine day off on Sunday. Pretty common for... Uh, you know, earlier start on Sunday for a catcher to get the day off. I uh, had a multi-hit game over the weekend, maybe starting to wake up a little bit after a somewhat quiet start. So I think Weeders and maybe Jan Gomes are the, the two cheaper catchers that are both in play for me today. Yeah, I definitely prefer Gomes out of the two. And I guess we forgot to go over how we think Cole Hamels might be a turkey today coming off the DL, an oblique issue. And even before he went on the DL, his velocity was down a bit and the, the peripherals were pretty concerning. Uh, the strikeouts weren't there before he went on the DL and, and uh, he was giving up contact. It was just low BABIP, a lot of luck, frankly. And you're not going to have luck in Cleveland. So uh, I, I think he could get rocked and Gomes could be a part of that, certainly. I will try to get some Wilson Contreras exposure at 2,700 because I, I just think he's a really good player who's due to uh, improve his, his numbers uh, as he gets more at-bats over the year. And I, th- I think if why not have that happen in a context where he's going against a pitcher who's due for for a Babbitt regression um otherwise Grandall at 3000 also is expensive but at home against Nolasco he projects very well for home run probability yeah I like Grandall a lot I think if I'm making a lineup with sale I may not be able to afford the extra right. five to six hundred uh but certainly no issues at all if you want to build around Grandall as your primary catcher today uh, moving over to first base Cody Bellinger after another two homer game yesterday is 3,800 against Ricky Nolasco. Yeah. He's a bit of a home run machine. A bit. I mean, Cody Bellinger should cost like five grand right now based on what he's been doing. Uh, I would probably put him like 200 below Harper, who would be 100 below Judge. That's my... too measured, though. Like, you have, like the, the DFS <laughs> pricing has to be ridiculous. Cody Bellinger has to be the best player on the it board. Needs, it needs to be, uh, guess how many jelly beans are in the jar kind of thing occasionally. But yeah, I. I I definitely your point stands it's a huge uh point probability relative to his cost and so he'll probably be very highly owned um with that being if that is the case though makes me like Abreu all the more at 3400 because I think normally at home against a rookie lefty um Abreu would be someone you'd risk like I don't know 35 or more percent ownership whereas 
I would imagine Bellinger gets up close to 40 or more and, and Abreu sits closer to like 18 to 20, which is which is good because I, he's pretty close to automatic at home against lefties. Um, maybe not as much raw power as some of, the, some of these other guys, but he hits for average and power both. And uh, it's just a pretty good setting, I think, for the White Sox to put up a lot of points as a team. And the odds of that happening with him not being the central force behind it are just not very good so like Abreu a lot of 3400 I think for tournaments his teammate uh, unfortunately classified also as a first baseman on FanDuel Matt Davidson at 3000 makes sense for tournaments he's I, I would think and otherwise uh, if he's in Adam Lind at 2700 against uh, uh, Eddie Butler and uh, as you were talking about on the radio Tyler Austin at 2200 would be pretty interesting against Holmberg as so long as he's not batting like eighth or something. Yeah, Austin's the punt play, you know, most likely going to be in there. So it's righty lefty, and that frees up a lot of cash to build elsewhere. But I think the only other player that I'm I'm thinking about is Edwin Encarnacion. It's the same logic as Abreu. Uh, Hamels, of course, the more experienced lefty than Jordan Montgomery, but you mentioned some of the concerns with his peripherals. Edwin has got some great splits against lefties. Uh, it's it's one of those spots. He's hot. People might just ignore him a little bit because yeah. of Abreu, because of Bellinger, because of Tyler Austin, and that's going to make Edwin Encarnacion a little more appealing. With that said, I also think um, for tournaments at least, Ryan Zimmerman makes a lot of sense against Butler. Like I don't think many people are going to be on him at all, uh, both because of Price and because of some of these other more obvious uh, plays. But like he's been crushing righties this year too. And if if Butler is you know getting that high walk count because he's trying to pitch around Murphy and Harper, it could be Zimmerman who's in position to clobber something. Yeah, Butler has just been bad. So take advantage accordingly. Uh, but I think you're right. Zimmerman will be overlooked today a little bit outside of maybe those people that are stacking Nats, which there'll be plenty of those, but I don't see a lot of one off. Yeah, you're Zimmerman saving calls. your stack space for like the Murphy and Harpers, though, more so, and probably thinking like, ooh, I can get a Brayu with the Nat stack. Yeah. So Murphy at 4,000, I think, is kind of an important building block today. Yeah. When we went through the slate the first time, there was value pretty much everywhere else. You could find some cheap players that made sense. At second base, that was really hard today. Uh, Javier Baez was one of the names you brought up, assuming he's in there against Geo at 2,700. That can play. Tournament more so, but yeah, if, if you can, it's I would think it's ideal to get Murphy at 4,000 in a cash lineup just because there's a lot of zeros, I think, in the second base choosing today, and, and it would be rather surprising if Murphy didn't give you at least something. I would like Starlin Castro at 3,100 if I yeah. knew he was going to be healthy. He had a cortisone shot, I think, yesterday wrist injuries that doesn't sound great yeah so shot yesterday extra extra great. risk there so i'm probably just going to take a wait and see even though the setup is a good one for him so it's going to be a lot of daniel murphy uh, for my lineups today uh going over to third base you have to like chris bryant being a few ticks a below the four thousand dollar mark at 3800 he would be my highest priced at third base if i was you know manually making numbers so at the 3800 i would love bryant yeah with arenado on the road i think bryant should be the most expensive third baseman, but he's not. Uh, Justin Turner at 3800 is expensive totally enough good. where people probably stay away, but I, I like it a yeah. lot, actually. I think that's a, a great way to go if you can afford it. No doubt. Uh, the punt play du jour is going to be Heimer Candelario. He's expected to be called up by the Cubs for this game. $2,000 is the price. We saw him up earlier this year. He had a pretty prominent spot in that batting order. He switch hits, so that's the other appeal. It's not like he's going to get wiped out by... Uh, a reliever later in the game you know some like 
side armor or whatever the Nats don't really have one but the bottom line is he's kind of matchup proof in that regard he can yeah. stay in the game and not be in as much danger of getting uh, swapped out for a double switch or whatever it might be uh, what else kind of catches your eye today at third base well, on the air, you made the case for Rendon, and that's certainly if we think the Nat stack, which makes if we think the Nat stack makes sense, which I certainly do. Uh, Rendon at thirty five hundred is actually a pretty cheap opportunity for what could be a blow up spot for that whole batting order. Um, he hits righties very well. Um, what is it? He has a for his career and at home against righties. It's. Uh, 180 iso that he's looking at like he's actually got a better iso against righties at home like he's he hit he has pretty even splits so i'm not afraid about butler's handedness being any detriment to him um so like rendon a lot at 3500 i think he makes a lot of sense for cash games and tournaments both whereas uh just for tournaments i think todd frazier also makes some objective level of sense even though i, I just loathe picking him in dfs yeah some high risk high reward though with uh, todd frazier uh, sliding over to shortstop, Corey Seager also gets that Nolasco matchup. He's 3,800. Just got to keep an eye on his hamstring injury to see if he's actually in the lineup today. Fair enough in price where I think even a little hobble, it might be worth paying up. Uh, you know, Trey Turner's great if you can afford him at 4,300. I probably won't have enough cash in my lineups available to do it. Uh, so most likely, Didi Gregorius at 3,000. It's lefty-lefty. But his splits against lefties going back to the start of last season are actually very good. Uh, an OPS in the 800s. 3,000 flats, a good price. If David Holmberg gets chased in this game after three or four innings, you get some middle relievers. So then the handedness being opposite what you want doesn't even matter. He's got the good splits anyway. And Holmberg was in the pen recently, right? So he's. Uh, he pitched on his throw day for the white Sox, i think that might have been a blowout or something oh okay. it, was, it would have been his you know between days where he would have thrown 20 pitches anyway okay so he's not like he didn't lose elasticity or whatever necessarily no, um it won't matter okay well either way yeah he's a good chase candidate regardless um otherwise it's at shortstop things are pretty thin i think if you're looking for something really cheap i'd, I'd have to look down toward like tim anderson at 2700 but he's he doesn't have the power you would want in someone who's as volatile as he is. Uh, so I'm probably going to look more so at Francisco Lindor as my main staple. Like I don't, I don't know if I'm really going to have the uh, money to to be looking around more than than uh, picking Lindor at 3,300. Let's take a look now at the outfield. There are a few cheap options to consider. We have to see where they're hitting in the lineup when that becomes available uh, later today. But one example is Adam Engel. Of the White Sox, only 2,400 today. Uh, Brian Goodwin for the Nationals, 2,600. Had a huge game uh, on Friday. That matchup and where he's been hitting in the lineup makes him really appealing against Eddie Butler and the Cubs at 2,600. If he's if he's batting second or whatever that he's like he's been doing lately quite a bit, then he will be very chalky. And it's going to be like kind of the thing uh, last week when it was like Derek Fisher at 2,000. You know, it's like, yeah, it's going to be chalky, but are you really going to want to play with the fire that is passing on goodwin at 2600 when like the next closest thing is uh like i don't know uh like robbie grossman or something like i guess angle is the next closest and if mason williams is is batting lead off i don't really care that he's going against a lefty um at 2400 um but yeah i feel i feel like goodwin's got a pretty nice floor and ceiling both for that price and if, if you believe in the nat stack then uh there's just a chance he could just ride everyone else's coattails and do 
pretty well just doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see where Engel's hitting in this one. I mean, Alan Hansen's been playing a little more, too. Uh, but with with Adam Engel, I mean, there's there's been some, some a lot big of speed. speed seasons in the minors. He's shown pop this year with eight homers in 46 games uh, at Triple A Charlotte. The weird thing was the average came down a lot, so I don't know if that was just some some sample size noise. Or I guess he's kind of got low contact in Triple uh, A and above, but uh, decent enough eye. Like he was he was getting double digit walks for most or much of his minors. So I mean, you, you know, you're getting like a low floor with a guy like that it's just like is it is it is it worth it with that price and i think there's the case to make for it if especially if like you said he's high in the order then it's just uh yeah that's the get down base and get hit in with a steal or two and it pay more than pay off at that price so as far as like mid-range or more expensive outfielders is there anybody else in particular that you really like today well the mid-range i think uh chris taylor at 2900 is pretty interesting he doesn't have like the handedness and an advantage going against righty Ricky Nolasco, but his his whole approach has changed profoundly this year, and he gets his his walk rate is really high as a result. He's got some, he's probably got like fifteen steal potential over a full season. So there's that. Um, I think there's a pretty good chance he's like what like hitting lead or second today because he's going high in the order with that on base percentage that he has, and there is some pop too. Uh, strikes out a lot but uh, against Nolasco I think there's a pretty high floor and ceiling both for Chris Taylor at 2900 so um yeah th- as far as sub 3000 options go it's definitely him and uh him and uh sorry what's his name uh Brian Goodwin that are my favorites in, in that category there um but yeah any anything else in that you're looking at in that general range a little higher Evisil Garcia at 3200 it's very fairly priced. Jock Peterson at 3400 kind of going to wait and see where he's at in the lineup before uh, making that call. And I guess one other cheap outfielder that would be kind of interesting, depending on where he's hitting. Again, the White Sox have so many moving parts, but Willie Garcia is only 2100 and if That guy has weird... Uh, he had like pretty encouraging minors numbers or something, didn't he? I'm trying to... My mouse clicker is not working, so I can't pull up his page right now. But I remember looking at him a while back um as like a dart type at the bottom of a lineup and i thought it showed like power in the minors or something and then just like wouldn't put the bat on the ball at all in the majors is that correct i'm almost yeah, to his page he's got, so he's got very little experience in the big leagues so he put a big homer numbers in the minors that's what it was um he he was he had uh let's see what is this 30 he had 50 over th- uh three years between a and double a stole double digit bases two of those three years uh, but yeah then he since he got to the majors he's just been complete bust but uh it seems like if something clicks with him it could all of a sudden be a thing where he catches some fire yeah he's 24 he's got some raw pop and he's on a team that can afford to give him some looks so. tons of strikeouts is the issue and not much of an eye just comes down to what they want to do with the lineup today so yeah. keep it on that white Sox lineup because there could be a, a few different ways to sneak in uh, some value plays from that batch uh, as we uh, get the lineups later this afternoon of course FanDuel is in full swing we're nearing the all-star break they've got a lot of cool stuff they've got the quality starts and the scoring now they've got friends mode so you can set up a league that automatically generates a contest on whatever days you want and then it keeps a leaderboard throughout the season a lot of good stuff there be sure to check it out it's been a fun season for me so far hopefully it'll be a more profitable season yet as we move along it's going to wrap things up for this episode of the rotowire dfs podcast 
Todd and Joe are back with you on Tuesday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.